This is Tiny Talks Radio brought to you weekly as a sheer where we talk about the topic for the week for the audience members to keep. We try to talk a different topic, a different aspect, a different subject every single week so that you can hopefully bring it home and get some different practical lessons to keep. And I like to also bring in different characters, different role models from Tanakh, from the Talmud, from throughout Jewish history that we could connect to and we can relate to. Of course, when we talk about Chesed, we talk about Avraham. Of course, when we talk last time about the idea of optimism, the idea of positivity, we talk about Rabbi Akiva, who had a very difficult life, very difficult aspects, and he was seen as a huge role model, huge aspect of optimism, huge, huge aspect of positivity in life. And of course, this week, this time, we're going to talk a guest star as well. We're talking about the idea of, yo, get your zeal on. And of course, we're going to look at a special guest. If you could think about alacrity, you could think about zeal, you could think about zealousness for Hashem, a number one character should come to mind. Of course, that of Eliyahu Hanavi, one of my favorite characters in all of Tanakh, if not my favorite character in Tanakh, especially from the Nevi'im. And we know, of course, again, I apologize about the allergies. They hit me with a vengeance once spring really rolls around. And nothing really helps. So I apologize about that. Thank you for that. And, of course, we know that Eliyahu Hanavi also relates to Pinchas. And some people say that they were one and the same. So we're going to look at some fascinating sources, God willing, as well. So over the years, there have been many different characters in general in Tanakh that I have felt drawn to and connected with more than others. One of them, if not the most, is that of Eliyahu Hanavi. His character is fascinating. The sages teach he had a majestic and a royal look and appearance and commanded respect and adherence. They talk about how he had long flowing white hair and a long flowing white beard. Lahavda, Lahavda, Lahavda. It reminds me of the wizard, super Lahavda movies like those of Gandalf and Dumbledore, for those of you who follow that stuff like I do, Lahavdil, but a fascinating character nonetheless, besides for the look of how they say that he looked back in the time. When you think of Eliyahu, when I think of Eliyahu, I think of getting your zeal on. I think of zealotry and alacrity. The dictionary defines alacrity as brisk and cheerful readiness, as well as eagerness and keenness. And zeal, fervor, and agility, while zeal itself is seen as fanatical devotion and uncompromising pursuit of religious, political, or other ideals, as well as the fervor or tireless devotion for a person, a cause, or ideal, and determination, and its furtherance, diligent enthusiasm, and powerful interest. Good zealotry, as a side note, is what we're going to try to focus on alongside the main ideal of alacrity. We're going to look through some sources on alacrity, then talk about some sources on zeal, and look through the elements of the captivating character of Eliyahu of course, in the interest of time, even though I have a lot, a lot of sources and a lot of pages, I might skip around here and there. But stay with me, as we'll, God willing, get through it in the 45-ish minutes that we try to allot ourselves here on Tani Talks Radio. Interestingly, we kind of have our own Eliyahu Hanavi story, my wife and I. Eliyahu has been present throughout history, and appearances abound many times in the Gemara, and many times often throughout the Talmud and throughout different aspects. 
More on that later, God willing. My wife and I once decided to deliver packages a couple of years ago, many years ago, really, for Tom Cheshabbos in Queens. It was very late after we were traveling around the neighborhoods to deliver some packages. However, with one of them, we hit a snag. We could not, for the life of us, find the home to deliver the package to. We circled around and around and around and tried many different streets. Even the good old GPS was not helpful. It was as if the street did not exist. There was no one around. The streets were dark and deserted. It was late at night again. We pulled into a deserted parking lot where suddenly, out of nowhere, a middle-aged man appeared with a short beard. The man literally came from out of thin air. I jumped out of the car, chased over to him, and asked this man if he could help us. The man, quote-unquote, literally took me to the home with point-by-point directions, through an alley, over a step to get to the right place. Meanwhile, in the car, my wife was literally panicking, wondering where this stranger was taking me. When I came back, and my wife took, took a big sigh of relief, and the panic button in both of us calmed down, I told my wife, and he went out to thank him, and he was gone. He had vanished without a trace. He literally was sent by Hashem, we believe, to help us, and then just disappeared, and we never saw him again. That's the character of Eliyahu, taking his alacrity, his zeal, getting his zeal on, appearing out of nowhere to help people do mitzvahs and keep doing good, and then vanishing away into thin airs, into thin air, excuse me. Unfortunately, nowadays in our society, it's so easy to be lazy, to be a couch potato. How many apps are out there? How many different programming is out there to literally sit there and binge and binge and binge? Of course, I am guilty of this. Of course, many of us are guilty of this. But by and large, to waste an entire day binging is crazy. With the invent of all our smart technology at the touch of a button, we don't have to get up. We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to do anything. By the way, although I'm very into convenience, I'm very into things that help us the most to save time, energy, and a lot in our lives. I am very much anathema to not doing anything that's like against my nature. It's against my personality. I need to get up and do. I have a day job. I have a second job. I have all the side projects of all the podcasts. Of course, I have Fine Fivel strongly being pulling me. And of course, I have other ideas that I'd like to accomplish one day. But of course, sometimes conveniences do help and I appreciate them and I use them. But by and large, my life, our life cannot be the couch potato philosophy. It can't be just sitting, scrolling on Instagram or Pinterest or, or all these things that we waste time with procrastinating with that our whole day is gone again we can buy anything within just a few clicks we can get groceries and everything delivered which is great for conveniences while all the devices have the ability to help us without even moving but it can't be the whole aspect of our life our society unfortunately is an instant gratification one and this is a real problem with children nowadays as well and we see that with our own children unfortunately we see that with our students my students my wife's students, we try to teach kids and students that it's not going to happen right away. Even if I cut my kids' hair or I do their nails like I did the other day and they want that positive reinforcement of the little treat, I try to get them a $5 item, a toy. When's it coming? When's it bringing? Is it coming now? And I said, no, Amazon has to find it. They have to package it. They have to send it. It takes a couple of days, maybe by Tuesday, Wednesday, if I bought it on Sunday because of cutting your nails, it's going to take a few days. It's not going to come instantly. The idea... In society, in life, unfortunately, is I need this 
now. It's unfortunately an overriding ideal. It's like the marshmallow test the psychologists did. I remember learning about this in undergrad. I have a psych degree from YU. So the psychologists did this for little kids on a great scale. They were offered one marshmallow now or two later, and they couldn't wait for later. Many in society don't work on things or want to work on things. Many people don't put effort into things. It's a disposable society. For example, over 50% of marriages don't work out in society, especially using the idea of irreconcilable differences. What does that even mean? Irreconcilable? It's not possible to figure out. We don't want to put any work into it. We don't want to try anything. They won't even try anything. They just dispose of them like disposable toilet paper and tissues. God forbid it'll have to. Many people in society, especially in entertainment don't want to or try to work through problems they just feel i'll get a different relationship i'll go on and i'll just find the next great thing in my in their opinion things like divorce or separation don't even hold a stigma for them or a red alert in society ideas anymore even in the uh, past many many moons ago even if there were relationships that were rocky or difficult they were not Running to divorce back in the days, it was something that was worked on. It was a last, last, last case scenario. Very few people. Nowadays, unfortunately, over 50%. Additionally, another major problem in society is that society is full of selfishness. We talk a lot about this in the selfish versus selfless idea, and God willing, we'll hopefully address it again. But unfortunately, society is full of what can you do for me? Advertisers, advertisers try to push at us. What product would best help you now? People think, what can you give me that I really need? No one runs to do things or work hard at things because they're too focused on themselves. What they think they deserve or is rightfully theirs. It's the privileged and entitled philosophy. That's why when I see, you know, people that just sit all day and they are like, trust fund babies, you know, it's difficult for me to come to terms with because I'm a very big doer, a very big go-getter, and even if my job doesn't make nearly as much as other professions, like a lawyer or a doctor, I love what I do and I do what I love, and I work for my money, my uh, my peasley, measly paycheck when it comes, and my wife's who's totally underpaid as a private school teacher, very much, very much meagerly paid, but we work for it, we put our effort into it, we work really hard in our life, yes, we might not make as much as everybody else, but we work very hard, it's it's not entitled and privileged. We work for our money and we have all these side things, so these side efforts and side ventures that we put our heart into and we try to give and we give. We try to do what we can to put our effort to help our town, to help people in society. We try to cook for people. We try to give the free lending library from our basement. We try to do what we can in society to put our go-getting and our zeal into things. So when we see and when I see, especially people that I think they are privileged and entitled, it's hard for me to see that. Kids used to have to own up to mistakes in school and work on them. Many times nowadays, the teacher themselves are faulted for the student's errors. It's your fault my child is not succeeding. It's not, God forbid, my fault or my kid's fault that they didn't put any effort at all. They didn't study at all. They didn't do any of their homework at all, but it's the teacher's fault. It's the therapist's fault. That is backwards. In the past, kids would have to acknowledge their own mistakes and work on them. The lack of working on things, I believe, is a direct yetsuhara to the zealotry and alacritous lifestyle and mindset. 
If I say, yo, get your zeal on, I want you to get your zeal on, but you don't do that, the Yetzirah is telling you not to do zeal, not to put an effort, not to put in any ishtadlis. It's the complete opposite. It's also the best friend of one of our enemies of accomplishing or getting things done, of course, that of procrastination. Why should I do that now? Can it wait till later? I don't have to do that. Now I have all day. This thinking is not Jewish in origin or ideal, in my opinion. We need to use carpe diem to seize the day, to do what we can today, for we never know what tomorrow will bring. Who knows if we will have time tomorrow, so make sure to do it today. We know that Perkeos explains to us, you know, one of my favorite missions in all of Perkei Avos. You gotta be for yourself because no one else is gonna take care of things for you. And of course, you can't only be for yourself. You have to help out the whole Jewish nation, the whole world at, at large. Because you can't just take care of yourself. You have a mission. You have a purpose to help the world at large using your talents and your ideas and your personality. But also, if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? You're going to push it off till tomorrow? Who says it's going to get done? You have to do what you can to make sure to do what you can today. Of course, we should still rest and relax and recharge. I feel very strongly making family time. Sunday is usually fun day. We try to do what we can here and there. Recently, we started finding museum passes. We went to a beautiful garden the other day for a couple of hours. And I also feel very strongly you need to make date night for your spouse every single night, even if it means just sitting down watching a cooking show for an hour or two. That's what we try to do. And on the weekends, watching a, a nice Hallmark movie or whatnot or whatever or game night. The other night, we played Hangman. That was fun on a writing tablet. What can you do to make time for your family and spouses? First spouse, then kids, and then everybody else. But you can't just rest and relax the whole day away. You can't lose the whole day away. That's not good. As Nike, even Nike and society, they coined this phrase many years ago. The famous phrase goes, just do it. And I would add, now. Just do it now. Check. Check mark. In addition, how often do we have alacrity and zeal for the wrong things? For non-Torah things, for non-Mitzvah things. How often... Do we have a passion and a zeal? Again, I apologize for my allergies. How often do we have a passion and a zeal to run to eat? Some people live to eat when really you should be eating to live. We talk about that also on another episode. How often do we run to watch that TV show? My gosh, my favorite show came back. I can't wait to sit down to watch it. I have to watch it. I have to see what happens in the next episode. How often do a person say, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see that movie. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to sit to read down a great book. Do we have the same alacrity, the same zeal, the same zest to do a mitzvah, to do a chesed, to do Torah learning, halavai, we should have that same fire, that same passion and determination for Torah and mitzvah. So we can't let our evil inclinations use our passions in less than the best way. Of course, reading, relaxing, and spending time with spouse and kids, of course, is very important and necessary. There has to be a good balance. Use that zeal for good to change the world through Torah and mitzvahs. Be a proper zealot, one of alacrity for Hashem for learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. I will give a caveat. By the way, if you have that energy and you're so excited for the next Jewish novel to come out, the next Jewish book, I have a supreme love for books. I don't know if you could ever tell. I talk about it often in the Freelanding Library. 
and my favorite time of the week is sitting down and reading the Jewish novel for on Shabbos. So if you have that and you're so excited about the next chapter of the story where they talk about different Torah elements, you're really excited for the next Jewish song to come out, the next Jewish podcast to come out, okay, then it could be a little bit different because then we're incorporating Torah mitzvahs in a Torah lifestyle. But literally, if you're excited for the next video pinball game to come out, obviously we're not talking the same thread the same mindset in our life we should use our alacrity our energy for hashem for mitzvahs for chesed and for torah to make the world a better place if you have an ideal a zeal a passion and a pension for something you have to run with it and you have to do something with it you're supposed to do something that no one else will in this world you're supposed to contribute your dalit amos of your small corner of contributions to this world that's why i do this tani talks radio that's why i do tani talks parsha tani talks perkei avos tani talks ot and tani talks staff i have a passion for radio and audio recordings and that's why i do find five well i have this love for this idea to find the family to find the items in different picture series baruch hashem with the new artists that came on board this past year we have eight and some of them were published baruch hashem i had a previous one that was published on hanukkah we had one that was published in the summer and now we just had one published on pesach in a jersey paper and in a labavitch paper very exciting and we're hoping to get more published in the future and my dream my goal is to make a book and to make a series to make find five characters i have it all in my head an animated show an animated website a movie a game there's many ways that this can go but it's something that i have to put my effort into some people say why do you waste time and on, on energy and all the stuff that doesn't make money because in the end in life it's not about the money it's not always about the dollars money comes and goes but happiness, fulfillment, purpose, memories, that's what really comes and stays. After 120 years, no one's going to care. No one asks. No one is going to say, I wish I made more money. I wish I did more. I wish I had a bigger house. What kind of ludicrousity would that be for a person to look back and say? No one ever says that. People say, I wish I accomplished this dream. I wish I accomplished this goal. Why didn't I pursue that book idea, that comic book idea, that that podcast, that that lecture, that job opportunity, I wish I could have done it again and fulfilled all that Hashem gave me such abilities. How could I not pursue it? So yes, I will put energy and I will put my effort into things that I feel beloved to and beholden to and energized by and passionate about. I'm not going to chase things that don't really have an impact, that don't make my life happier or more joyous. I don't care if it gives another person 1500 extra dollars an hour. I don't care if that lawyer, that medicine, that doctor makes $17,000 an hour that's not where my heart is that's not where my passion is and that's not where my pension is everyone is made to do something different i meant to work with kids at this point in my life in schools working with kids and helping them out i feel a tremendous love to work with kids and that's what i want to do and my side hobbies it would be wonderful if five took off and made me millions it would be wonderful if the podcast took off the radio took off and made millions but that's not where it is at this point but i'm still going to put my energy where it is how many authors how many novelists, how many article writers don't make money from it? I've told many times, I reached out to many different Jewish authors over the years because we have the idea to make audiobooks for Jewish books happen in the future at some point. And they told me that the money is not in the Jewish books. So why do you do it? Because I have a talent for it and I love it. And I love putting the word to the pen, to the paper. 
to bring the written word to life, especially in a Torah way. Yes, I agree. You take your ideal, you take your zeal, you take your passion, you take your alacrity, your pension for something, and you do something with it, especially that no one else will. No one has my exact mindset of what I see from my projects. No one has your mindset, what you see in your life. you got to bring your contributions to the world. This is where I feel like Hashem guided me for my day job, for my side job, for my side projects, for my kids book project, which is now a weekly thing that we try to do. You have to move and use your ideals. The Pirkei Avos teaches us in Parag Bet, Mishnah, In a place where no man will stand, you need to stand. That, I believe, translates to me in many aspects. You figure out where you're supposed to go, and no one else is going to do it. You're going to do it. No other Tani is going to stand up and do Daf, OT, Perkeavos, Parshan, Radio. I got to do it. No one else has the idea for the fine five on my way. I got to do it. And and if people have different aspects of different things, you got to do it. My wife wrote her articles for Ish. That was her viewpoint, her her energy to be putting over there. You have to do what you can. Do that which no one else will. OU.org points out as well. According to Rav Noah Weinberg, founder of Aisha Torah, if you don't know what you're living for, you haven't yet lived. You can go your whole life being a it's okay philosophy, it's fine philosophy. Is that what Hashem wants from you for 30, 40, 50 years of working? It's fine. It's okay. Did you ever really love what you did? I like asking people, do you like what you do? Do you love what you do? Do you know how often I get, even from people close to us, even from family, friends, and and, and acquaintances, no, it's all right. It's okay. I like it. It's all right. It pays the bills. I don't care if it pays the bills. If you're miserable and you don't love what you do, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. You're wasting your life away. 30, 40, 50 years, this is what's going to be your life. It's okay. It pays the bills. It could also pay the bills doing something you actually enjoy that you could put your energy into that contributes to the world and makes you a more full, happy, and enriched person. You have to find what you can do in this world. I talk about this so often on so many episodes. Stand up. Use your zeal. Use your passion. Use your alacrity. Change the world for the better, involving yourself in Tikkun Olam to make it a more wonderful existence to be a part of. I find the idea of what is possible to be done in this world to look at someone who was able to found a huge movement. You think about the idea of Rabbi Meir Shapiro. He was born in the year 1887 in the city of Schatz in Bukovina, now Romania. During the course of his life, he was the rabbi of a number of cities. He was also a member of the Sejim, the Polish parliament, and the president of Agudas Yisrael. The first Knesset Gadol of Agudas Yisrael took place in 1923. Rabbi Shapiro wanted the members of Agudas Yisrael to take upon themselves the idea of studying a page of Gemara every day. In a meeting held before the Knesset Gadola, he submitted this proposal. However, the members of the committee did not want to take the responsibility for the plenum not accepting this revolutionary proposal. They suggested a compromise and that Rabbi Mayor Shapiro should put the proposal forward as his own private idea. But Rabbi Shapiro was still worried because he was among the youngest delegates in the Knesset Gadola. Therefore, the other delegates were unlikely to pay attention to him. 
Therefore, before the Knesset Gedola opened, he went to speak with the Chafetz Chaim, who suggested of an unusual method of ensuring that the proposal would be accepted, which Rabbi Shemeir Shapiro implemented, and thanks to him, we have Daf Yomi. Can you imagine, for a second, if Rabbi Shapiro actually shied away from the idea how much learning, how many dapim of Gemara, how many Masechtas, and how many Gemaras would not have been learned thanks to his revolutionary idea. I myself am part of Dafyomi, and I love it. At the beginning, I was very scared. Many moons ago, many years ago, in the beginning when we got married, I thought maybe I could take it upon myself one day. You know, I was always Steinmicker on and off, on and off for years, currently off, but hopefully getting back on in the future. At least Daf, Gemara, and Yerushalmi I tried taking on recently also. One Gemara page a day. Had we not had this idea from Rabbi Meir Shapiro, it would have been lost to history on a much more smaller microcosm. You can have a tiny Rabbi Shapiro-esque idea. If you don't put it forward, you don't take your zeal, you don't take your energy, it could be lost to history. How much of a chaval, how much of a waste, how much of an avera would have been if we didn't have the idea put forth. But Baruch Hashem, Rabbi Meir had this idea and he pushed it forward and thanks to him we've had how many cycles now of Yomi, how many Gemara has been learnt, thanks to him. We look at the idea of alacrity, we look at the Gemara Msach, and we know the idea of Zerizim Mitzvah, the vigilant are early in the performance of the mitzvah. The entire day you could do a mitzvah, but you go early in the day to do the mitzvah, like we learned by Avraham, the Akedah, a very difficult mitzvah for him. He thought he was giving up his child, but Avraham still arose early in the day. You gotta be early to get to that mitzvah. Perkevos teaches us, we talked about before, This is Hillel speaking. Hillel, who is a fascinating character in his own right. Very patient, very interesting character. He talks about the idea, if I am not for myself, who is for me? If I am for my own self, what am I? And if not now, when? What are you doing with your day? What are you doing with your life? Are you just reading blogs and you're just wasting the day away? Yeah, you might have baked this. You might have done a load of laundry. But what did you do for the tachlis of the world? What did you do for the Jewish nation, for the Jewish people? Outside your dollar almost, what can you contribute to the world? For many years during Corona and whatnot, I was remote. And even when everyone back to, went back to school, and even my wife went back to work, I was still remote for a period. And aside from getting the house stuff done, I was trying to see students and still podcasting and still thinking, five, what can I do for the world? What can I do to accomplish? Even if I'm home, what can I do? And not just as a homemaker for myself, what can I do for the nation at large? What can I involve myself in chesed, in shidduchim? What can I involve in thinking of how to give tzedakah, how to do for the world, how to accomplish in this world? If you have a great idea. I cannot say this enough. You must share it with the world in my personal humble opinion. It would be a sin to keep it to yourself in my humble opinion. If we only do things for ourselves and not for the world, not sharing our passion and innovative invention, what are we doing here? We need to seize the moment today. No one else will do the mitzvah for you. You need to jump off, run after the things, and do them now. Don't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow may never come with the same chances and opportunities. The enemy of doing things now is procrastination. Do not fall prey to his traps. Pirkei Avos also teaches us in Dalad Bet, Heviratz le mitzvah kalakiv ha'chamura uvorach min ha'avira. 
be quick in performing a minor commandment as in the case of a major one. Flee from transgression because of one commandment. Mitzvah, goreras, mitzvah, schar mitzvah, mitzvah, as Rabbi Mor- as, uh, Rabbi Morachai Shapiro teaches us in his song, Lahavdom. Mitzvah, goreras, mitzvah, avera, goreras, avera. You do one mitzvah, it's like a catapult effect. It keeps going. Run to do the mitzvahs. Run away from sins. Use the alacrity to do good and flee from the bad. Pirkei also teaches us a little later in that parak. Have mocked in Bishlam Kolodim. Be the first to extend greeting. Pirkei teaches us a parak later. Have az kanamar v'kal kanesher v'ratzkat svi v'gibor ka'ari Take the midos from an animal. Every animal and every person has his time and his hour. There's something to learn from everything. Even Dava Amalch learned from the spider that spun the web so that Shaul, his father, wanted to kill him, thinking that he was a long time in the cave. Be strong as a leopard. Be swift as an eagle or be strong like a lion. Jumping out of bed in the morning, you're supposed to be Gibor Ka'ari. The Mishnah Baruch, the, the Shulchanah teaches us, you're supposed to jump out of bed. I'm not so good at that. I'm not a morning person, but... We have to do what we can and fleet as a gazelle and brave as a lion to do the will of your father who is in heaven. 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 Excuse me. The Madrash, I believe, explains the story of how Naphtali is credited being swift as a deer. When Yaakov was being buried, Asaph stood to block. Naphtali ran back to Egypt to get the burial deed, which must have been very far. Meanwhile, Chushim, Dun's son, who was deaf, couldn't understand what was happening and the degrading of delaying Yaakov's burial. My grandfather, this great, great man, is sitting and being degraded by his brother, and I'm going to stand here and do nothing? What is going on here? People were arguing back and forth. Chushim couldn't hear the arguments. He he said, there's no argument here. This has got to change now. What did he do? He stood up swiftly and literally chopped off his own uncle's head, Asaph's head, which rolled off into the cave, fulfilling the unwitting prophecy of Rivka, who had said, why should I be bereft of both of my sons on the same day, which actually did happen with burial, when explained to Yaakov to flee from Asaph when he took the bracha. So both Naphtali and Chushim demonstrated alacrity and zeal, even to the nth degree. We have to do what we can, as the Rambam points out in Perkeos, to have alacrity and performance in honoring the sages and doing mitzvahs and chesetos. So talks about the reward varies with alacrity, the effort expended. We know Perkeos teaches us lafum tsara agra. H.com talks to us how the idea of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zake would initiate a greeting with each person he met in the marketplace, both Jews and non-Jews alike. I believe this is a quality we should all initiate. I try on a tiny degree to do this too. Whenever I see people, the security guard, the crossing guard, especially by my kids' schools, I talk about this often, or the barista, or whatever. I try to initiate a greeting and, street, and greet them with a smile, a pleasant countenance, as Perkevus teaches us as well. And Shemos talks about the idea how the, the daughter of Paro was the one that went with alacrity, sending either her maidservant or her arm to rescue Moshe from the river, because we should be the first to run to do things, especially mitzvahs. We should not let a mitzvah become chametz, the medrash, and the sages teach us in life. Do what we can to be alacritous in our life. Don't let the mitzvah become chametz. Don't let it be lost to someone else. You should be the first one. Yuma teaches that our rabbi talks about that someone who has alacrity in being involved not just with mitzvahs, but saving lives on Shabbos, and in general, this is praiseworthy. Menachos 43b talks about anyone who shows alacrity in commandments will merit to receive the face of the Divine Presence. 
When we wake up in the morning, I hinted at this before, the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch points out in one four: be strong as a lioness. Immediately upon awakening, reciting the Moda prayer, you should rise with alacrity, jump out of your bed to service Hashem. You should make sure to use your efforts to serve Hashem. If, for example, Lahavdel, which you never know from such things, if a fire occurred in the city or something similar occurred, you certainly would be quick to awaken immediately because of your concern for wealth, your concern of saving people or saving items. You wouldn't act sluggishly. So for the king of all kings, you can't arise with alacrity. For mitzvahs and chesed and doing what you can to make the world a better place, you can't arise with alacrity. How much more so should we apply this to the service of Hashem and mitzvahs and chesed in this world? The Ramban in Bereshis, because of great alacrity to commandments, he was, he was uh, preoccupied with the bris milam and with the vast multitude of his, hand, his house, of course, Avram talking about the idea of being involved in mitzvahs himself, and he chopped wood for the offering himself, thinking he wouldn't have any wood over there by the har, by the harabite where he offered up Yitzchak as an offering. He carried the wood with him for three days, the Ramban also points out. Rabbeinu Bachaya talks about how Avram had alacrity and single-mindedness of purpose, applying himself to the task. We've got to use alacrity like Avraham for mitzvahs and chesed as well. Obviously, the opposite of Avraham is Bilam. Bilam's alacrity, as the redeeming relevance points out, the exact opposite of Avraham, seeking to do what he alone desires, even though Hashem's will was not the same. It's remarkable that the Rabbeinu Bahaya points out, it's remarkable that the Jewish people would do what they can to give up their possessions for bad. Also, we should avoid giving up alacrity for the evil purposes or for the procrastination purposes or for the wasting time purposes in life. We've got to use zeal for the good things and not for bad things. Yuma points out the story of how the Kohanim would run up the ramp and one of them shoved over the ramp and another one stabbed another one just to get the service. That's not what Hashem wants. We want alacrity and zeal in good ways, in proper ways. Derech Eretz Kadmelator, proper midos and manners comes first before any other ways. Make sure that you use it for the right reasons of Torah and mitzvahs, not misguided for honor or privilege. Like don't push others out of the way just so you're alacritous and zealous for the kiddush. It's not important. The food can wait. Don't push anyone else out of the way just so you could get the Aliyah first and Simchas Torah, for example. Meaning we should do what we can to do the mitzvah early. We know the idea that Moshe was involved in alacrity. Even though he knew that he was going to die, he set aside the Ari Miklat, the ones in the Avera Yardin, even though it wouldn't take effect into the until the ones in the actual land of Israel would be there and well. Being, being alacritous in life to do mitzvahs as early as you can is a good principle to be involved with. He did the ideas right away. Moshe Rabbeinu was involved in it, doing what he can right away as fast as he could once he got instructions from Hashem. He separated the three cities, the Shemir and Halashim points out, even though he knew it wouldn't take effect until much later on. Everything that's in my power to do, I will do, he said, as Rashi explains there. He did the mitzvahs even though it wouldn't get effect till later. We know to do, we need to do what we can as well to do those mitzvahs now, do what we can now. Who's the one that caused the sea to split? Nachshon ben Amidadav jumps into the river. Sota 37a points out. Each tribe was unwilling to be the first to enter the sea. Who sprang forward? Nachshon ben Amidadav. He literally went into the sea. The sea was up to his neck. He was almost going to drown. But then Hashem made the sea 
split. The sea jumped away from him. He literally was jumping into the sea, and the tribe followed him afterwards. So he was merited to have the kingdom because that was Yehuda. He was from the tribe of Yehuda. He was the one that went first down, and everyone went after him, as Perkata Rebelezer points out as well. A person who wants to be involved in alacrity to purify himself, sanctify himself, the Shari Kedusha points out, he should use all his might to perform all the 613 mitzvahs as much as he can with alacrity. A person should go with alacrity, even when it's difficult or dangerous to do so. Like Levi responded to Moshe when he asked Mila Hashem Eli to wipe out the people who are involved in the Egel Azahav, as Rabbi points out in Devarim. The idea is to be involved, to do what you can, to be jumping like a lion, the strongest of animals, to get things done, as a Haksava Chabala points out. When a person is involved, we need to be doing not just learning, but running to do things with alacrity, as Perkevus also points out in Parak Dalit. We need to do what we can. If we have a choice to do something for free or to get paid, try to do it for free as well. Volunteering, jumping to do something is a beautiful thing, even when it is hard to do so. Yosef went to help his dad even when danger was involved. He performed the mitzvah even though he was going against the will of Paro. He jumped to do what he could to bring up his... The, his father to be buried in the place that he wanted to do so. We know that zeal is also very important. We think about Pinchas, who's related to Eliyahu, some people say, at least in character traits. He's the one that jumped up. He's the one that took care of of the two people who were majorly sinning in public, Cosby and the other one, who Zimri and Cosby, and Pinchas takes him out. I'm not going to explain the graphic way that he took care of them, but he was the one that merited to have the kahuna on his own merits. He was zealous for Hashem in the right way. Serving Hashem with zealotry, with with proper strength, is good, as Messiah Hashem points out. Engaging in mitzvahs and their completion is what we should do. The zealots are performing the mitzvahs. Zeal is closely related to his best friend, Alacrity. Using them both together is fantastic. Matisyahu works with zealotry also. He's the one that couldn't Stand what was happening with the Greeks. He assembled his sons and some followers. They only had a couple hundred taking on thousands. That is a real zealous person. A person should engage in Torah study and mitzvahs with what they can, using the performance for not only for their own sake, but doing it to make the world better, doing it for Hashem, as Pesachim points out in 50b. Good advice in, gen- in general is using the zealotry in life for a good purpose, as Monsieur Shisharm points out. Zeal is a good, very good quality, but it has to be used in a good way. Don't run too quickly without thinking things out. Making sure that we're not like Nadav and Avihu, as we're coming up here in, in the end of April 2023, we're coming up to Achremos Kedoshim this, this Shabbos, God willing, in just a few days, Nadav and Avihu were very zealous to to do Karbonos for Hashem, but they didn't do it in the proper manner, in the proper outlook. They took a strange fire, even even though they were happy and they wanted to inaugurate, they wanted to be involved. Some people say they don't listen to Moshe. Some people say they went and they weren't allowed to. Some people say that they were drunk. Whatever the case may be, they were zealous, but not in exactly the right way. They jumped too fast. Korach also points pointed out by an article on Chabad.org, but of course we see it in the text itself. Korach was toxic, had to be stopped. His zeal led him to a rebellion that was bitterly divisive. His passion for God was misguided. His love was not true. His beauty was not 
sustain and not pristine. Religious zeal is a driving force, but it needs to be in the right way. Use zeal for good and not for bad. Zealotry should be good. Alacrity should be good to doing the mitzvah, strengthening yourself, fortifying yourself in the right way, doing actions, doing service for Hashem in the right way. You think about the idea of Chizkiyahu. He did what was pleasing in the eyes of Hashem. He was zealous to abolish the shrines and smashing the pillars. This comes from Malachim Bet, Parakil Chet. And he made sure to break into pieces the bronze servant that was being, you know, worshipped. He was doing what he could. Yoshiyahu also, even though he was young, he began to seek God and, 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 following the ways of Dava, they demolished the altars of the Baals, the idols, and he smashed the sacred posts, and he burned the bones of the priests on their altars, and purged Yehuda and Yerushalayim, as long as, I believe, Chilkiah, if that's his name, was his mentor, the Kohen Gadol, unless I'm misguided by what his name is, he was able to follow in the right way. Use you need a guide and a mentor in general to have zealotry in the right way. Orchel Sadikin points out, use zeal in a way to serve Hashem, to make the world a better place. It's a wonderful quality to have. It's the beginning of all ethics. you got to follow what you can to make sure to use anger, if it's anger, for zealotry for Hashem. We want to make sure to do what we can. Of course, the greatest example I want to finish off with the last few exa- minutes is Eliyahu Hanavi, a beautiful character, fascinating character. We know Eliyahu was the mainstay against Atalia and against Achav, I believe. Izevel and, and Achav, sorry, Atalia is another not, not great uh, queen, also a wicked queen, but I believe it was Achav and Izevel, if I stand corrected. I apologize in advance. It was Izevel and Achav who were really bad rulers. They abolished a lot of the prophets of, of God, but Eliyahu is the main outspoken prophet of the time. Of course, Hashem takes him away in a whirlwind at the end, and, and uh, Elisha takes over, but Avadi was one of the hidden prophets, which was actually fascinating because he was working for Ahav, and Ahav didn't know that he hid prophets in each cave. He meets Eliyahu, and they talk to each other. I alone hid a hundred of the prophets of the Lord, fifty men to each cave. I provided them with food and drink. And Eliyahu says, everybody come against me at Har Karmel. This was fascinating, by the way. This was not condoned or brought about by Hashem. This is Eliyahu with his intense zealotry for Hashem. He challenged the Baals, the prophets of the Baals. He he challenged the prophets of Asherah, who ate at Yizel's table. I am the only prophet of the Lord left, while there are 450. They come to the mountain, and it's a fascinating, fascinating story. I implore you to read Malachim Aleph Paragidachet. I believe it's one of the Haftoras throughout the year. It is fascinating. Basically, they... Slaughter, they they gash themselves and they slaughter offerings to their fake god Eliyahu gives them hours to do so when it's already midday Eliyahu's mocking them and you're only allowed to mock an Avodah Eliyahu prays to Hashem he fills up a ton a ton of water and he's literally requiring a miracle from God can you imagine the embarrassment and the 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 ridicule he would have sustained had he not won in the end but of course Elio is on a high level and of course Hashem sends down the fire that licks up the water huge Kiddush Hashem they slaughter a ton of fake prophets and there's major zealousness that happened on behalf of Eliyahu on behalf of Hashem. Sanhedrin points out in 113, Ahav was Chiel's close friend and groomsman. He and Eliyahu came to inquire about the house of mourning. And they they had an altercation and they have a, a discussion because, you know, they weren't 
Amaaretzim, they weren't apikor, they weren't like lacking in any knowledge. Achav knew different things. He had a Torah with him. And Elio talks about how there's going to be no dual reign because he couldn't stand any negative talk against Hashem. So he makes a, a, a drought of famine for years, basically, because Hashem gave him the keys to that. He had to stand up for Hashem's honor, even when it wasn't popular. And he was able to be involved in standing up for Hashem. He was zealous for Hashem. He showed zeal for Hashem on the Mount Carmel and in general in life. He gave vent to his anger and he went against the unbelievers. And he was a very strong character. He took the law into his own hands to, even with moral danger, even with major danger to stand up against Hashem. He goes and then he walks for 40 days at the end of his mission for Hashem. He grasps the message from David to destruction explains. He responds to alacrity by running. And he, and Elisha sees what Elio does and he clings to him. They're walking together and the end of his life, or the end of his time at least on this earth, he comes back usually for people. Malachim bet, parak bet, pasig yud alef. Vayihi heima holchim haloch vidaber vihine rachav esh vesuse esh vayifredu ben shneim vayalayo besara hashemayim. A fiery chariot with fiery horses suddenly appeared and separated one from the other. Elia goes up to heaven in a whirlwind, and then Elisha says, Abba, Abba, my father, my father, or whatever he says. Very interesting how he like, feels the tearing apart from Eliyahu. The question is, Eliyahu, is he still alive or not? Moed Katan discusses it. Is he still alive? He went up in a, chariot, in a chariot of fire. But some say that he was seen as dead, and some say he was not. But Eliyahu is still alive, Bavavacha points out. We see that he comes back many times in different aspects, and he talks to different people about who will merit coming to the world or not. But really, the fascinating thing is that he sees the zealotry for Hashem, but there are other aspects that have to come. It has to be a balance. That's why Eliyahu had to be taken away, and Elisha had to take over, because even after he was seeing the vision of the of the clouds and the sounds and the still voice, Eliyahu answers the same way. And Eliyahu comes back at every bris and every seder dafka because Hashem is telling him, look, my people are upholding my bris, literally the bris mila. My people are upholding the bris, the seder, at the at the Seder on Pesach night. Chabad Darog points out that Eliyahu is told to come back to every Seder and to every Brismila Dafka because he saw that people weren't upholding the word of Hashem. And Hashem says, look, they will uphold my word for many generations to come. So he comes and he sees, and Hashem tells us that Eliyahu will come back on that awesome day at the end of days when we're going to have the base Midrash come back speedily in days we always pray that Eliyahu should come harachman or Yishachlanu is Eliyahu Hanavi Zacholato Vivaser Lana Besoros Tovas Yishus Nechamos Berkas Hamazon. Every single time we say Berkas Hamazon, we want him to come back. We hope he comes back, and we hope that's very soon. Eliyahu is the one that's going to announce the Mashiach. He's the one that's going to bring it forth. He's the one that's going to come and herald in the days. May those days be soon. Eliyahu is the one that was involved in major standing up for honor. We need to stand up with honor, with zeal for Hashem, with alacrity, doing mitzvahs, doing chesed, doing, doing Torah. We need to seize the moment today. No one will do mitzvahs for you. you got to jump after things. You have a good idea? Share it with the word, it w- world. It would be such a sad thing not to do that. Run to do mitzvahs. Run away from other things. The whole idea of Torah is not just for study, but for practice. Make sure to be the first ones. Reason Makdim Lamitzos, alacrity like Avram 
alacrity and zealotry, like Elio in a good way, like Pinchas in a good way. Derech Eretz comes first, but we need to use alacrity in the right way, in the proper way. Do a mitzvah throughout the day as early as you can. Don't let it become chametz. Don't let it go to later. Don't delay it. If we can do it now or do it later, do it whatever you can, as fast as you can. Be zealous for Hashem. Be alacritous for Hashem. Doing mitzvahs, doing chesed, doing proper things. Of course, it's always good to have a guide and a mentor using passion in the right way and making sure to stand up for Hashem and stand up for the nation and the world at large is really the best way to go do things. When we think about different characters in the Torah, in in our lifetime, we think about all these ideas that would have been lost had they not been done as well. We have to make sure we do that. We have to make sure that we can do what we can to run after things especially with alacrity, with zeal, doing mitzvahs and chesed and Torah. Don't be the couch potato. Don't be selfish. Don't look for instant gratification. Don't look to be a procrastinator. And don't wait till later. Do what you can to do things to seize the day, carpe diem, today, because you'll never know what tomorrow will bring. So do what you can today in order to make the world in a better way. And maybe if we are alacritous, if we are zealous in the right way like Eliyahu was, maybe we could finally be Zochem for Eliyahu himself to come to to herald in the final era, the next era, to bring us the base of Migdash speedily in our days. And may that day, in fact, be today. This has been Tani Talks Radio, where we talk a topic for the week. For the audience members to keep joining us next time, God willing, here on Tani Talks Radio. And I'm your host, Tani.